Anyway, this is very weird. It is. I don't think my mic is picking you up. Oh, if you, if it, he... my mic is picking you up, but very slightly. So oh yeah, mine as well. Like there's like the small tiny little waves. T- tiny little waves. Well, like you said, you just you know mute it. Yeah, I can mute it. It's it's perfectly fine. Okay. So yeah, cross dressing. Cross dressing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cross dressing. That's a topic. That is a topic. It's very big in anime, especially like I mean, I, I want to say like in shoujo, but like in all types of anime, there's like yeah, there is some. It's kind of like I feel like the cross dressing um plotline is as prominent in Japanese animation as teacher student relationships are in American teen dramas. <laughs> Yeah, you probably I've seen it my fair share of anime with cross dressing in it and like I heard about this one this one anime which is about this this bunch of like yakuza members. Mm-hmm. And isn't it yakuza? Yakuza. Yeah. And never mind continue. I thought you said yakuza and I was No, no if I said I meant I meant to say yakuza. Okay, yeah. Um yeah, um yakuza members and they somehow, I never seen the show, but I heard about that they end up swapping bodies with, like, a girl group, like a girl pop group. Oh, it's, so it's not even cross-dressing, it's like full-on, yeah. full-on the fly, yeah. just with vagina. Yeah, and um, the there's also that one movie, uh, Your Name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, there's a lot of it, I think. Future Parkers top, um topic material um kajabo made summer prominent cross-dressing made summer. i forgot <laughs> we were gonna talk about that oh yeah it's gonna be a rewatch for the ages i mean it's gonna be like what my fifth rewatch of the anime <laughs> or like six. Oh hey uh usui and was it was she misaki, misaki and usui yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. she's also a misaki a lot of misakis bestie misaki um but yeah no today we're not talking about anime we are talking my favorite anime cinderella the cinderella story series uh so essentially um a new cinderella story installment dropped and, and we had to talk about it we simply had to talk about it, at least in theory but then we watched it and it was complete garbage so we actually i don't feel like talking about it at all but oh. we thought it would be a fun fun episode if we paired this Cinderella story with uh, two other films, much better films, um, uh, which are She's the Man and Motocrossed. And the reason why, I mean, we decided, I decided to pair them because I'm in the Church of the Shadow, <laughs> <laughs> is because all three movies have our female protagonists um, cross-dress as males for one reason or the other and i thought it would be a fun topic for us to find a fun triple watch essentially but then cinderella story starstruck not starcrossed stream casey musgraves (laughs) stream casey musgraves uh, also watch the Disney Channel original classic Starstruck, not Cinderella Story Starstruck, just Starstruck, has bangers in that film, a lot of very good songs. Um, but Cinderella Story Starstruck, 
probably one of the worst movies ever made and it's not even like us talking about like oh this was so cringy or this was so terribly scripted or this was so whatever like whatever things people usually say when they talk about bad films meaning that they were campy because those movies can like still be very fun we attest to that fact very much that's the whole thesis of this podcast. that's the whole thesis no no no. cinderella story starstruck is one of the worst movies ever made because i have i i don't think i've ever seen anything this bland and just this soulless effortless and soullessness just just no effort was put into any aspect of this movie the visuals the casting, the acting, the 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 um, the actual costuming, like absolutely no effort whatsoever. The script is just pitiful. Like there's there's no nothing interesting is done with the cross dressing concept. Nothing interesting, even like the tropes we are accustomed to in these movies. I mean, we've watched the whole series, we've covered the whole series infamously and famously like, i would say but sure <laughs> and and i mean like even though the tropes we enjoy from those films in this movie are just so watered down and like you know uh, you can i mean if you're listening to this i also would assume that you follow us on instagram so you see uh, our instagram stories and you saw probably saw marcy reacting to this movie very viscerally and infamously screaming into a pillow i just i, I it was like it was so like bad. it was like you know how you know when you remember when we were listening to liam Payne album yeah and the pain and just like the visceral depression that engaging with that piece of media gave you like watching that film yeah. made me so depressed because it was just it, you know how like something can be giving right yeah of course of it course. was the anti- antithesis and antithesis yes of that it was the antithesis of giving it was the antithesis of giving it not was not giving share that's for sure <laughs> though I'm, I'm sure bailey was her face would in her mind, she she thought she did something there, especially with the fucking muscle. Oh my god! What's what's her name? Bailey Madison. Bailey Madison. Ma- Bailey Madison. Bailey and it's Madison. like Bailey Madison is so interesting to me because her filmography, man, man, does this girl work hard her whole life? But at the same time, man, is she boring? Man, is she boring? Man, that she has no s- screen presence. Like negative screen presence. Negative screen like, presence. She's just a to- like when she's on screen, I would just rather look at like everything, like anything else that's going on. Like it was the same in that Christian camp movie, uh, a week away or whatever, and that was just awful. PTSD. Too. PTSD. Like uh, sh- this girl is in uh, two of the worst movies of the year by far. Probably the two worst movies of the year so far. I mean, we have still a lot to go, and we still haven't seen the kissing booth three to be fair you have seen it when are you uh, are you cheating on me who did you watch it with I, uh, logan wanted to see uh, the kissing booth three so we w- shout out to logan who has a great taste in gilmore girls the rory's boyfriend boyfriends logan i'm gonna send you this episode <laughs> and you're gonna listen to it uh but i saw kissing booth three i had that and, and like that movie is just absolute an abomination but like it was giving something it's very bad, but it was it gave me something. I mean, he has Jacob. 
yeah, Jacob Elordi. I mean, but Jacob Elordi is that even one of the best parts of the movie because he just looks so dead. I mean, to be fair, if I were like a serious actor and like I say, signed on, um, I signed on because I'm before I thought I would never be able to do anything good, and then I did it for it, and then I had to come back to film two kissing booth movies. I too would be dead inside. Also, what what is going on? Um, I'm just because like uh, I think I, I just remembered the best part of the Kissing Booth three. So there's this one scene in the Kissing Booth three where uh, they're playing like go karts, like they go on the cart, like you know they're uh-huh. driving carts, like play carts, and they all dress up as Mario characters. <laughs> and to be honest, very casting than the one Nintendo announced. I think I have to post this somewhere, given the infamous news of Chris Pratt being cast as our favorite Italian-American Mario. I think Joey King would even be a better um, casting decision than Chris Pratt. To be honest, no, to be honest, casting Chris Pratt is never a good decision for anything. Like, I'm watching Parks and Rec, and like, because I love Audrey Plaza, Mm -hmm. and like, the fact that they like sh- not ship they paired up her character with chris pratt and like what every time i look at chris pratt i'm just like can you not yeah. exist like sometimes like sometimes and, and there's this whole thing of him being like a conservative christian boy and i'm like a catholic not, not just christian he's catholic and like i mean sometimes i can get past like like political disagreements when it comes to celebrities like i still enjoy clint eastwood movies i mean i think like the best example that i can give is elizabeth moss like i I, honestly she could be having sex with sheep and i wouldn't care because she's that good of an actress True. all all you have to do is give all you have to do is give and then literally i will like whenever if what you're doing is you know, consensual and it's giving you joy and you're not causing anyone, you know, yeah. harm, go off, I don't care, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But like with Chris Pratt, not only is he a terrible actor, not only has he terrible screen presence, but he's also like so obnoxiously dumb and so obnoxiously, this is probably like racist to me when it comes to religions, but like he's so obnoxious, obnoxiously Christian, like thank you God for this gift, whatever. And then another thing that pisses me off about Chris Pratt is this is very niche, but essentially, like, he remarried to a woman 10 years younger after he divorced Anna Faris. Really? And, like, I, I, yeah. I, 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 oh, yeah, because I, I thought, I know, I knew him and Queen Anna Faris had divorced. Yeah, yeah they divorced, and he married Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter, Catherine Schwarzenegger, <laughs> who is 10 years younger than him, but, like, you know, it's fine, she's very, but, like, on the Mother's Day, he, like, he didn't acknowledge Anna Ferris at all, and he's like a, has a very heavy like presence on social media on Instagram. He posts a lot, and he was like, "Oh, thank you, Catherine, for being such an amazing stepmother to like my other children." And I was like, "Maybe thank the woman with whom you were ten years, and who's also the mother of your children." You know, like it's common decency. I feel like when you're co-parenting, that you also acknowledge. The parent that you're no longer with. I know, right? Like, and to me, Chris Pratt is just... I'm sorry, he's giving rancid vibes. I know, I know, right? He's giving, like, the Liam Payne of the acting world right now. Exactly. And, and he's just, like, so obnoxiously, obnoxiously Christian. Like, like thank you, Lord, for this amazing woman. Or, like, thank you, God, whatever. And I was like, fine, you know, like... And this is, like... This is not me dunking on him that he believes in God. This is me dunking on him 
like pronouncing his face in such obnoxious and just like, like another like a, a good actor pronouncing like speaking out about his face fine go off king go do whatever you want chris pratt doing that that that's that's that's, that's no, the case no, for but like it's of- it's also like okay it's it's literally we are re-watching gilmore girls by the way i mean i'm re-watching pedro is watching for the first time yes it is um uh, and essentially, we on season one, Rory is dating Dean, and we are talking about the way, essentially, both uh, Dean and Rory's father, Christopher, hold her in a very similar way, where they have like their arms stretched and like put on her shoulder. Shoulder, but like when Chris does it, it's just it feels very fatherly. It feels very, oh come here, kiddo, I'm gonna buy you a dictionary. And when Dean does it, he just feels so patronizing and just like, I have to hold her, otherwise, like, you know, she'll go away. And like, we haven't got to that part, but there's like, later on when she's like, um, with her second boyfriend, Jess, he also does a similar thing, but like, she interacts with his hand. So like, it's also like, completely different vibe. But like, it's literally like, she's standing still, and Dean is just like, squeezing her shoulder and it's just so like awkward to watch and you just like dean no come on chill for two seconds please chill it's it's (sighs) and the thing is the same with chris pratt it's like it's not that what he inherently is doing well it's not that what he's doing is inherently wrong it's just the way he goes about it it's just like very it's just like ah, you just like you, you have a bad taste in your mouth uh, from watching Chris Pratt doing what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> you have a bad taste in your mouth. I thought you were interrupting the podcast to say, you have a bad taste. So I was like, wait, do I? <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> Me knowing what kind of taste you have in your mouth, my power. Uh, <laughs> but like, um, the thing, yeah, the thing is, right? Cool actor does thing. Yes, amazing. Go off. I may not agree or or like you do your thing share you know the same enjoyment but i go off chris pratt does something and like no also jurassic world sucks and he never made he never made a a movie as good as anna faris's smiley face and scary movie so and again that's what it pisses me so so much also because with anna faris she essentially kind of started his career anna faris his first wife yeah in a sense, I mean, in a sense, like, she put him in a lot of, of her projects. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, because she was the biggest star when they started being together. He was, like, literally only Parks and Rec. And so, like, when she was side on to something, she would also bring him, him in a lot of the times. Like, with movie, what is it, 23 now? Oh, wh- oh, right, movie 43. Movie 43. <laughs> and it's just, like... I mean, not, not the best way to lift someone up. <laughs> But, like, you know, and then he essentially got signed to Marvel and he got ripped and he was like, oh, I'm too good for you now. And it's just like, imagine discarding Anna Ferris. Honestly, honestly, like, Anna, like, Anna Ferris is just so in another league compared to Chris Pratt, honestly. And I'm just so sad that he fucked her over, essentially. Because you don't really see her in anything these days. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm on, on her Wikipedia page right now. What is she up to? Not much, really. Like, she hasn't done a movie since 2018. And she was in the Emoji movie. And she did two episodes of an animated show, I guess. Like, voice... voice, voice in voice conclusion, voice. fuck Chris Pratt. Yeah, fuck Chris Pratt. 
And you should not be playing Mario. <laughs> it's just Joey it's King so should be playing Mario. <laughs> <laughs> I need to show you the picture of Joey King dressed up as Mario. I, I don't want to. I, I like my knights, knight era less. Anyway, um, so I think the best way to describe Cinderella story Starstruck is that it's a Chris Pratt of the Cinderella story movies. Kind of is. It's like, you know, it, it it's sort of going for, oh yeah, yeehaw tradition. Um, yay, we're going... They also tried to make it into a musical, but literally none other character than the Bailey is singing in the movie. Oh yeah, it's also supposed to be a musical, but there's like three numbers total right yeah, yeah. Like she sings too and there's this one number in the movie that they're shooting within in, within the movie also the fact that like it's a movie about a movie and like none of the things about like making a movie line up in that movie <laughs> it makes no sense. it's like, it's like this is literally a movie you are making right now and you still don't know how a movie set works like what's happening here exactly like imagine making a movie and like not, not being able to tell that the movie in your movie that the production, that the production is completely unrealistic. <laughs> Imagine. I wonder what that movie set was like in Cinderella's Star. I feel like honestly everyone's just like was very depressed, and everyone was just kind of like, I just want my paycheck. And Bailey thought it, she's doing something. Bailey would just yeah, be like, Oh yeah, this is my moment to shine. And the rest of the people were just like, they're just you know clock it in get our cash get There's out like especially like the main guy who initially was like fine but like by the end he was just giving nothing like yeah, you can tell like, he was just kind of depressed like he was just kind of not really into it yeah you know i think like because again i haven't seen him in anything else that was the first like prince in the series who i completely don't recognize um, yeah, I think he. I, I looked. He's on the show on the CW or something. But yeah, but yeah, it was on. It's not, it was a show on the CW. Let me. But like, you see, like a recurring character or like an episodic role. It should be in the in the yeah in the timetable, not the timetable, in the table, the timetable. No, but it's just it, I'm. He had good vibes at the beginning, but like because they gave him nothing, like it was, he's not you know Jane Lynch level of an actor he can do something out of nothing he's in the show all american oh i I fear it's good it's about like american football in high school and just like how toxic that system is and he's uh, he's in the main cast of that and he was a guest star in one episode of Grey's anatomy I mean, who wasn't? That show has that show has gone on forever. No, but like All Stars, I I mean, I haven't seen it, but I've heard that it's good at least the first season, because it's essentially about like these young black athletes. I mean, American football players, and you know, not coming from the most um, affluent backgrounds and like having this pressure to be scouted by colleges and then like go on pro so that they can um support their families and it just shows like the toxicity of american sports systems which uh, is always a vibe yeah yeah I, li- I like that premise i like that premise i like that premise so like good for him i'm sorry that he was in it i mean i'm sorry that he wasn't cinderella do you think that like after this clownery will we get another installment oh no one is talking about this like 
But no one was talking about Christmas Wish either. Yeah, I mean, the Christmas Wish is on Netflix, so like, mm. it gives another like level of sense of like. Um... But is it on Netflix everywhere? Like, was it picked up by Netflix for distribution, or was it just like in our region? Not really sure, but like, when you compare like ratings and when you compare ratings and like. If you go on Netflix and it was like picked up by Netflix by distribution, it's gonna have the end thing. Yeah, it's it, but it's like at least that one. Like I mean, it had more recognizable stars because essentially, yeah, they cast the Disney kids, yeah. and so like there would be an audience for them. But like with, I mean, technically, was Bailey on Disney? I mean, that girl was was everywhere. I mean, that girl. I mean, I, I do it, do admire her work ethic. I hate that she's in the Pretty Little Liars remake. Also, I hate that they're making a Pretty Little Liars remake. It's oh, it's been four years since the original show ended. Like, come on. And yeah, I think I just think um, I just think this one is just like it's the series just run to the ground, no inspiration left. Like the, no one seems to be making an effort, especially the director Michelle Johnston, who also did the previous two. Yeah, the one with Sophia Carson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it sucks when a female director disappoints you. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like. Anyway, no, I, I don't think they're going to make a next one. I think this one was too it's, big of a flop. This is a flop in every possible way. Like, no one's... Like, it has no reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. What they could do is that maybe they'll remake the original one. But, like, then oh, again, what's the point? They could be making that, like... And, and that, that's a possibility. But, like, no. we, ju- we just got the Camila Cabello one. I mean... There are other fairy tales out there as well like you know it doesn't have to be cinderella remake mulan i'd watch that they, they didn't they already i mean they did a few remakes but like not in a like modern setting like that they take the bones of the fairy oh, tale i get what you mean not like a live action adaptation yeah. like the one from last year uh, yeah and no, I, I don't mean disney the d word no i mean like you know there are other fairy tales that you can try to like take out of its original setting and try to like modernize it I think I think the Cinderella, as much of yeah. you know, fans of the series we have ourselves <laughs> to be, I think like it's time to give Cinderella a rest. And I think this movie and Camila the Camila Cabello movie dropping but like within the same like month. Yeah. I was just yeah. like, just give it a rest, guys. It's it's fine. the death of Cinderella. I think. I think we should go back and this is look look at the. Pedro, Pedro, look at this smooth transition. I think we should go back to the trend, the the trend, Jesus, the trend from late 90s, early 2000s of remaking Shakespearean play in modern settings. Those always give. With teenagers. Those certainly tend to give. I mean, have I watched like a bad Shakespeare adaptation as a teen comedy she she's all that's not shakespeare that's from P- pygmalion isn't it yeah so that's not shakespeare shakespeare would never do us as dirty as she's all that yeah that's true i assume so um uh i get i'm um, the one with um bessie kirsten danced is a bit weird they remade midsummer's dream oh okay never midsummer's midsummer's, midsummer's nice dream. dream sorry um but yeah no but it still gives it's just a bit weird but still gives anyway so if you if you haven't deduced uh, we are now burying cinderella and gonna talk about two re-ma- modern reimaginings of shakespearean comedy 12th night 
Twelfth Night. I have not read because I you're the Shakespeare person good. here. It's one of his best comedies, I think. It's just like it's <sighs> Shakespeare does chaos so well. <laughs> I mean, the best he was in our areas, wasn't he? I think he was born in April. Let's see. You can check. I mean, you're the Shakespeare person here. Uh, but he was born in April 26th, and he died in April 23rd. Bestie, I know my facts. I know my facts. So, I mean, he was the king of chaos. Yeah, oh, and these stories are so chaotic in the best possible in way. In the well, best like, possible way, all, yeah. all of the, like, the, like, cookie misunderstandings you could possibly, like, conceive with this premise, like, happening these two Yeah, movies. and I think also, like, these movies, like, these teenage reimaginings are a great introduction to... Uh, to Shakespeare because like especially with comedies because the language has changed so much sometimes it's hard for people to get the, the like the humor that he meant it and all of like the the puns and like the sarcasm that he meant it to be in the text because um, you know he spoke a completely different English he spoke early modern Eng English we are now speaking modern English where you know a, a lot of things are different the accent is different so for example like anyway and so I think when, you know, when someone wants to, like, get Shakespeare, but, like, the, the Shakespearean style of writing and is just too dense for them, I think this is a great, you know, like... Condensation of what, the, yeah. you know, the, the, yeah. sense, the sense of humor, the misunderstandings, the, 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 um, the sense of, yeah. Yeah, it's like y you will understand the vibe and you will understand yeah. what's going on. And it's essentially transplanting... Um, the, the story into modern setting so it's more accessible to modern audiences yeah. and i think that's just brilliant also there's a, a julia styles the bestie from, from 10 things i hate about you. she also did an uh, o which is a modern reimagining of othello it's also very good oh oh god i i think we should make a list or if not an episode at least like a watching session of certain like uh modern shakespeare cuz cuz there's so many of those and every time i look up i look one up mm. they they always seem to be giving something uh i recently i'm recently uh discovered this movie and now i'm obsessed and i need to watch it which is rave macbeth <laughs> which is essentially macbeth but in rave culture <laughs> no but to be honest to be honest because there's another macbeth adaptation right with um tons of washington and like bestie yeah, bestie bestie's a bestie and i respect Tommy, that oh, like, but the same yeah i mean he already did shakespeare he 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 played the duke i mean it's a supporting role and um much to do about nothing with oh, emma thompson okay, it's very that. good okay anyway what was i saying oh yeah uh i just wish there were more um film adaptations of other shakespearean tragedies like king lear Ooh. king lear is just like so did one of those yeah it was orson Welles did an adaptation in the 50s and like but like modern ones yeah there's also a very good kurosawa one because he adapted because people remember oh, the yeah. the macbeth adaptation of by kurosawa but he also adapted uh king lear into ren i think is the oh ren is king is a king lear yeah thing? it's an adaptation oh, okay. it... i know rashomon is um macbeth right no no no, no, uh, no throne of blood throne, throne of blood, blood is macbeth and then yeah. ren is the, i think it's also his last film Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Is Ren his off swim? I remember it's the, one of the few that are in color. Ren is in color. Anyway, that's also like uh, a transplantation of the King Lear story into Japanese uh, history. 
but like yeah. and you have the uh like the tv theater adaptation with florence Pugh and anthony hopkins and two other actresses who are escaping my mind right now which is also very good but like it's not like a film film you know what i mean it's a televised play yeah yeah, yeah. and it's just bestie like king lear is just such a great exploration of power and how power influences familial dynamics and it's yeah. just <laughs> i don't think there's a modern day king lear adaptation actually greta if you're listening please get on it <laughs> No, she's too busy doing Barbie. I'm sorry. Well, King Lear with Barbie. King Lear with Barbie. Maybe Barbie has been King Lear or is that... Who do you think would like do a very good King Lear modern adaptation? I think you would have the more the more um, informed opinion about that than me. Because it depends on what you want to get from it. But like, it has to be someone who like knows how to transplant a story into a modern setting, essentially. Hmm. Anyway, moving on. She's all that slaps. <laughs> just, just, just get the guy who did. He's all that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was a woman. Maybe they were non-binary. We. Anyway, she's all that. What a movie. You're saying oh, she's all that instead of she's the man. She's all that is not a good movie. We've established this on the past. I episode. should go into jail. <laughs> no she's the man is so much better than she's all that. she's the man is a masterpiece away. and i will stand by that it's so good it's i had so much fun with this movie and it like, has like ge- genuinely it has one of my favorite scenes of all time which is the cheese se- scene because i believe in that 100 percent. that like if you like someone and they write for you like it doesn't matter what you guys talk about the conversation would just flow and that essentially a relationship between two people whether it's romantic or platonic should be this conversation that neither of the parties want to end ever and it doesn't have to you know about meaningful stuff it doesn't have to be like about whatever it's just like about wanting to engage with the other person in continuous dialogue for the rest of your life period good and it's also like played so nicely also I think we should point out Neither of us find Chaining Tatum attractive. In in like overall. Overall, not really. Only in specific roles. Only like to me, I don't I don't find him attractive. I think he seems to be a nice guy. The only two instances where I'm just like, woof, she's the man and step up. Those are very fair picks. Like I was gonna go. But, but like the like him in Magic Mike isn't the fact that I he's just, attractive. I think I'm just like not into muscles. That's one of the things as well. I'm just mm. like I, it, it doesn't speak to me. Yeah, but like I I because like almost like the sort of his physical appearance almost just doesn't even matter when he's just so charismatic in like most of the good roles he chooses. Like I no, no, no. I mean, like I like his stage stage presence, not stage presence, scene presence. Maybe uh, Channing Tatum should do King Lear. <laughs> bestie no i like his scene presence i think he's a good actor actor i really do it's just like it's the same as with chris evans normally i'm just like oh this is a good actor i like him but i don't understand like the attraction the, the, the attraction the thirst but then i watch knives out and he's wearing that sweater and i was like ah i get it now you know 
in that specific context i get it and it's the same with Channing Tatum normally i'm kind of like meh he seems you know a guy seems like a cool guy but like you know but then and she's the man i don't what what is he on and she's the man He's on, he's on the best vibes pills. He, 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 he like he, he took the pills that gives you amazing himbo vibes. Like he's so much fun to watch in this movie. He's just like, um, like he he's a bro. Like he ha- likes to to play soccer, well football. Yeah, football. Like, likes to like he likes to likes to play football, hang out with his bros, talk about girls and everything. You know, being like a guy guy. But like he um he's also such he's a so shy. He's, he's so shy. Like when he actually wants to engage in meaningful conversation with someone, he's so shy and reserved in like. Just the way he portrays it in such a cute manner, mm-hmm. like he's he's just so endearing to watch. The entire movie, like just exuding. He's so like, clumsy with right. emotions, his own and other people, and I think it's just such a, also like such a, like empathetic portrayal of manhood because he's there yeah. like the guy's guy, but like because of that he's also like just like very clumsy with emotion. And it's like also so sweet because um obviously it's a remake of Twelve Nights. Viola is pretending to be her brother. Mm-hmm. Duke is into Olivia. Um, yeah, Olivia. I think it's Olivia. Yeah, he, uh, Duke is into Olivia, and Viola's helping helping him out. And he's essentially like, "Well, I don't really know how to do this." Like he he's so awkward with the whole thing. And Viola is kind of like the voice of the audience, but like, "But you're so hot. Like, why you have to worry yeah. about?" And I think that was just such a. I mean, you know, now it feels when you talk about it if it was a bit cliche but like in the movie it's just like this the most genuine moment but i think it's true like when you're like very conventionally attractive and like people just assume that like oh you got you can get everything comes easy yeah then like you're so awkward without uh, you're so awkward with taking on agency and like exploring your own emotions and other people's and like it's just it's so good and he's also like he's he looks better without hair, like with this like very short boss cut. Yeah, the boss cut. The boss cut is great on them, on him. Yeah, yeah like uh, it, it, and it's just um, yeah, it's just on the himboness scale. Yeah. Like this, this hip particular himbo in this movie, like definitely up there. It hits all the right notes in what makes a great himbo. In which, like you know, he's a he's a guy guy and likes to hang out with his bros and like talk about typical guy things and he's very you know airheaded but he's also like sensitive and empathetic and like uh and and perfect perfect vibes like all you could ever want from a cinematic himbo channing taylor (laughs) i would like to detour for a second and for you to explain more uh about the himbo scale and what in your opinion as a connoisseur of himbos makes a great himbo other than that a great himbo is a channing tatum Tatum and she's the man okay I think to explain what a good himbo is I think you could you you just realize like what a bad himbo is and like in the beginning of Gilmore Girls I thought Dean would be a good himbo because like he's like uh conventionally attractive and he's cute and he's tall and like and he um initially I just thought oh this guy is just so you know dedicated to Rory and like he just genuinely cares so much about her and there's just so much um like genuine emotion and he just wants to make things right so so rory can like him and he's you know very shy whatever but like um and that if if that were to be um if that were just his character 
I would think he's a good himbo, like uh, not only a good character in general, but a better character in general, but also a better himbo. But like as you know, as I as I'm like uh, going uh, through the season and I see how Dean behaves, um, like not a good himbo anymore. Mm-hmm. He's you know very I mean? he's very aggressive. Like a bad himbo, also um, very patronizing, very aggressive, very. I mean, to be fair, he's a teenage boy, so like this is not me being like Dean is a bad person, but like yeah, he's not yeah, a likable yeah. character. I'm so, especially in a show with so many likable characters that are like obviously flawed. He just sticks out like a sore thumb. And and like I, I guess essentially a good himbo is like a airheaded, uh, cute guy who likes conventional guy things, but he's also very sensitive in tune with his own emotions and caring of others i think the difference between a good himbo and dean is that in my opinion a good himbo is quite confident in his own masculinity and yes exactly that's why he like isn't threatened to engage with femininity and like be more sensitive and be like more accepting of those like traditionally feminine things whereas dean to me just scream is insecure men child that just like wants to be the man but it's like so insecure yeah, yeah, yeah about yeah. like not being the man that like he ends up being very toxic dean's kind of giving a bit of toxic masculinity if i'm being completely honest oh i mean in a certain way because in certain scenes yeah i mean not all the time just like in certain yeah, yeah, scenes yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just like yeah, yeah, yeah. dean like there are little flashes and like that could be attributed to just you know teenage immaturity i mean um i mean he is 16 in the show so like it's not as like again i get that he's supposed to be like an immature teenager who's just like oh i'm supposed to act like this to protect my girlfriend so i'm just gonna go act on it and like posture like this but like you know at the end of the day there's a lot of like traces of toxic masculinity in his in his behavior because you know he you know drops everything to fight um tristan played by shad michael murray podcast legend legend uh, <laughs> to like protect the honor of his girlfriend and like when he's just so patronizing to rory bec- because you know he prefers almost prefers a girlfriend or a wife figure to you know cook and do everything for the husband i'm like ah that's but that's the no. But that's the thing about Dean is that I don't think Dean is ever really in a relationship with another person. I think he's in a relationship with his girlfriend that happens to be some other person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's never like, oh, I'm in a relationship with Rory. No, I'm in a relationship with my girlfriend who happens to be Rory. So he's kind of like in this default yeah. mode of like what he's supposed yeah. to do, how he's yeah. supposed to act, which is why. Both the show and the fandom kind of like treat him as the perfect boyfriend, the perfect first boyfriend. Because, yeah, I mean, he plays the role of the boyfriend, of a stereotypical teenage boyfriend very, very well. But like, that's again, I think why so little people ship him and Rory. Like, a lot of people like Rory with Logan, a lot of people like Rory with Jess. I haven't come across a lot of people that really like Rory with Dean. And I think it comes from the fact that it's not, it doesn't feel like a very personal relationship. It just feels like this, like, civil contract between those 
those two people that are interacted to each other to act as certain roles but it's not like this like deep intimate connection i think yeah and in the beginning i thought oh he's really dedicated to rory he really wants to make it work with rory and get to know her but like as i and that's why i initially liked him um as you know the season progresses um and i'm just seeing dina like oh he just wants to you know, be a be a typical boyfriend, like do all the things a boyfriend would do, because that's what thing that's what he thinks is. And like, I think he's so dedicated. The... To, sorry to cut in, but I think he's so dedicated to Rory at the beginning because, like, uh, getting to know the other's interest and that sort of dedication is very typical to courtship. Mm-hmm. But like the moment yeah. you are in an established relationship, there is this pattern of like, oh, so I don't have to like try to learn about yeah, you anyway. I'm already in there, and I'm just gonna do everything to protect this stable status of just uh oh yeah it, it, this is my girlfriend and I, I i don't really care about her individuality i care about you know protecting the fact that she's my girlfriend and we're supposed to act yeah exactly as, as boyfriend and girlfriend. exactly it's it's about this union and what's supposed to happen in this union rather they're focusing on their in like unique dynamic and their unique needs and unique like you, you know yeah. their their relationship as something individual is we very like there's not enough room for individuality. Exactly. In Which, again, I think, like, for teenage relationship, and especially, like, for Rory, it's her first relationship. So I think, you know, in that sense, it's perfect. And it also explores Rory's passivity. Yeah. And Rory's just, like... No, no it's it's a good arc. It's a good arc on the show. Yeah. It's just evaluating, like, what like what the character, like, sort of ends up symbolizing. Yeah, 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 um, yeah exactly, exactly. However, look in Lorelai. <laughs> that's a fairy oh i, I think oh, that's I gonna be your favorite ship honestly oh easily. <laughs> no no seriously like unless like that guy jess ends up being my favorite character of all time and i love him with rory i don't really know i do love him with rory they're just yeah, yeah. and they have also such a beautiful argument like when you really think about like rory and that relationship and how different she acts in her relationship to with jess when you compare it because both in the relationship with dean and with logan with logan a little bit less because she's a young adult in that relationship but like she's quite passive in both relationships at least from my point of view um and with jess like it really is more of a partnership and like more of an equal footing and more less so like oh you are my boyfriend no you jess and we share this like very intimate understanding of each other and I mean, to quote Logan, Jess can be a little bit sometimes. It's true, it's true. <laughs> but I think it's just like both his character and their relationship is just so compelling that even when it's hard to watch or even when it's like heartbreaking to watch, it's just it's just so, you're so compelled towards these two and like how they, I think it's very similar to Luke and Lorelai in that sense. Mm, is that like, okay. it's just like the, the dynamic on its own and like what they bring out in each other is, is interesting enough that like even the most heartbreaking scenes between these two and we haven't gone into the most heartbreaking scenes yet it's just like you know mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm i'm wondering whether like i will dislike logan as much as during my like the previous watches yeah, yeah. because my hatred for dean has not subsided <laughs> mm-hmm. uh i mean uh, yeah, yeah. yeah and, uh, but this is you know this is a hatred like logically not nah, talking about Gilmore Girls when you're supposed to talk about changing Tatum but all I was <laughs> saying is that if Dean played by Jared Padalecki uh, was more like 
um, Channing Tatum in She's the Man, then he would be a better character. Exactly. Like, Dean's just so... Dean feels constipated at all times. That man has no chill. Yeah, he's just, like, alert all the time. Yeah. And insecure, not in the sense... Not in the way that initially makes Channing Tatum's character and she's the main yeah. sort of cute. Yeah, I think that's that's the difference because, like, Dean is very confident in getting what he wants, but, like, he's very anxious that once he has it, like, he will lose it. Yeah. And whereas I feel like Channing, is, he's just insecure because he doesn't... Not Channing, I mean Channing's character, Duke. Yeah. He, he's just insecure because, like, um, he doesn't want to... He fears looking stupid. He fears making a fool of himself. Um, And really his arc is about overcoming that and just like, you know, accepting the good things in his life. And yeah. Also the love story in She's All That is just so, so Oh, it's so much fun to watch unfold. And they have such great chemistry, Amanda and Channing. Like even with, even... um, like when you get these glimpses of you know uh viola wait um, my computer is lying i have to go to get the charger i'll be back okay okay this will be edited out But yeah, like w- when you get the when you spend the entire movie and seeing Viola essentially cross-dressing or cosplaying um, her brother, um, and you see her interact with Channing Tatum's character the entire movie that way, um, you only get these little glimpses of her as herself, and in these little, tiny little moments where she is supposed to be. Uh, in in Channing Tatum's character's mind, you know, she is uh, Spencer. Is that the guy? Is that the Sebastian? She's supposed she's supposed to be, you know, Sebastian's sister. You know, uh, and you get these these little glimpses of her interacting as, as herself with Duke, and like those those little moments are just so cute and so much fun watching full because you're just like ah once this whole like debacle is over they're just gonna have the most perfect chemistry yeah and uh, but essentially like like i said i just i find their dynamic to be so refreshing because it you know it 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 drives a point home that i think is a very important point to drive that it's not about the relationship are not really about like playing these roles but it be gender roles or like your personal idea of how you're supposed to act in a relationship or how the other person is supposed to act but it's about being intimate with each other and being the ability to be sensitive with one another and just like um oh the audio is gonna be wonky um and essentially just you know them putting down their guard because you know viola obviously doesn't act like a lady (laughs) when she's around him because she's pretending to be her brother um and that allows duke to also not 
as he is an insecure boy like he doesn't feel the need to like pretend to be the guy as much as if he were all this time interacting with a girl that he liked yeah and it just allows them to see themselves and each other more clearly and uh, like you said it just allows them to form a more meaningful and more genuine relationship for that way because they're it's not like with Rory and Dean <laughs> where they this is the boyfriend he happens to yeah. be a Dean but like it's really about um it, it seems very very genuine in that sense that they just really like each other and they really like the way um they make each other feel and uh, I think it's just very cute we should talk about the other movie as well because it also has a very cute love story yeah, it does, and like, just to finish off the point with she's the man. I mean, I already mm-hmm. said this, but let's just reiterate to close off mm-hmm. the chapter. Like, I just, I just love, um, like, by the end when everything is just said and done, and like, full big clumsy climax with you know the big reveal. Like, oh shit, you are Viola all along. You are Sebastian's sister all along. Oh okay, damn, you really grew into a great football player and I helped you out a lot. Uh, and then by the end where they're just playing together as Duke and Viola, the superstar team of, of, of football that ends up, you know, winning their team the game. And like, you just get the sense of like, oh yeah, even though, you know, Viola spent the entire time pretending to be someone else, this very cute relationship blossomed out of, you know, genuine mutual growth. Uh, be with Viola's, you know, wanting to be better and craving that better training to be a better footballer and achieve, you know, her personal goals. Uh, but also with uh, Duke becoming, through interacting with Sebastian, Viola um, also became more in tune with his own emotions and a more into emotional intelligent person overall. So, like, by the end, you're just, like, happy to see these Two characters in a teen movie, in an actual non-cringy, non-you know, just uh, eye-rolly relationship. You know, oh, these two people are really gonna grow together from this, and it's just like a great feeling to have at the end of a teen movie. And I think it's also important that teenagers and the, and not just teenagers, people overall, just learn not to settle in a person. You know, like you can find a person that like fulfills the role of a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a partner, great, but like. I think it's very important that you just don't settle for anyone who can do their role good, but like you really look for someone that like makes you grow. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, um at the beginning of the movie Viola is with her other boyfriend, uh, the, Justin is in, is his name, very most douchey basic, name. Most basic ass like basic ass name. And essentially like the reason that they grow up grow, uh, bro- break up even though like he fulfills the role of a boyfriend very well is that like he believes her athletic aspirations are of lesser importance and of lesser gravity than his yeah and yeah. that just retells really you that like he doesn't really see her as a full-fledged person he sees that he sees her as this like as his girlfriend like he sees her as this role Not as, as opposed to person. as a full person as an individual that like he should want to support and like you know through their relationship try to grow and evolve essentially and like with duke and you have this parallel like the movie begins with 
with Justin being two-faced and like playing with her but like when he's around his friends and like it's becoming serious and like he laughs at her ability to play football and then the la- the very last shot of the film is uh, Viola and Duke playing together on the same team and being like very they're, they're partners in both their relationship and their passion and in their growth as individuals and as athletes and it's very cute it is very cute, and like in 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 with Justin, and I, I'm sure she would be like, you know, oh, this is my boyfriend, and you know, this is a perfectly normal relationship where no one's being overly mean to each other. But like, you know, I, I'm like in Viola's mind, like, is he, he okay? He like, you know, she thinks I'm cool, a f- cool footballer, and he helps me out. But like for the girls, and but and he's still not thinking of me as like an equal like i'm like she's doing well in her own thing but like she's not equal as me you know but and by the end you like you literally see duke and viola playing side by side on the same team and just kicking ass together and i'm just like yes this is exactly what it was supposed to be period yeah that's that on that also um we should talk about the best scene of all time which is the restaurant scene Oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, yeah, that's the funniest scene in the entire movie. Like one of the scenes that I like sort of remembered from watching this movie, like you know, in the background on TV, like a lot of years ago, and like, ah, oh, this scene is just so funny. Would you care to? Uh... Uh, yes. So um, Sebastian, aka Viola, has transferred to a new school, Illyria, but Viola has a very um, inaccurate idea of how she should behave as a male and how to get the respect she would need in order to progress as a football player from her male, male colleagues and essentially she's like I don't know what to do to make them respect me, I don't know what to do to make them like me um, and her friends come up with a plan to essentially utilize the extreme attractiveness of her female best friends so uh duke and his two friends also football players on the school team are in this restaurant sebastian slash viola walks in and they're like oh no don't let him let him see you don't let him see you no 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 not that geek and he's like essentially sup and then one of uh kiki i think uh kiki i don't remember the other the other girl's name anyway one of her friends comes up and like essentially Plays this like lustful teenage girl who's just like cannot believe that her magnificent fling with with Sebastian is over. And she's just like really driving point of Sebastian's supposed sexual prowess. So like yeah. the thing that impress other males. So you have first Kiki and they already very impressed. And right after you ha- you have the other extremely attractive friend of Viola do essentially the same thing and just being like, ah, oh, Sebastian, Sebastian. Um, and the guys are just like, what the fuck is this? What's this guy's magic? Yeah. And then he's like, he's like, she, uh, like, she, her other friends go, friend goes away and he's like, oh, job well done. But then Sebastian's actual girlfriend slash ex-girlfriend, Dominique shows up. Yeah. And Viola, because she also knows uh, Dominique, and Dominique has a more accurate idea of how Sebastian looks like being his girlfriend, is like, okay, she cannot see me because, like, she yeah. will Real blow life. my cover. So essentially, she 
and Viola just like stages this like elaborate scheme where she runs I mean not scheme but like this elaborate chase throughout the restaurant so that Dominique doesn't see her as Sebastian and recognize her as Viola not Sebastian and like breaks up with her for like in the meantime because Viola really hates Dominic and she doesn't believe that Sebastian should be with her and it's very funny it has one of the most iconic lines which is when Dominique, you're hot, really hot. But when I close my eyes, I can see you for who you truly are, which is ugly. <laughs> uh, it's just, and she, Dominique, storms off, and it's just very iconic. And Sebastian slash Violet pounds as the man by the guys, and that's what like resets off her having a relationship with these guys. But I think it's also really funny because like later on. Viola Sebastian is very helpful to all the like football guys because she is able to give them the female perspective of yeah. what they should do yeah. as opposed to the normal like dude no you have to ignore her otherwise like let the chicks come to you or whatever it's like and like, that allows her to build like a real popularity because like she has proven herself and she is able to give like real insight yeah. into what they should yeah. do in order to impress the ladies because yes this movie is very straight i don't know if um <laughs> it, this needs reiterating <laughs> <laughs> but like it, it it's so funny because you have this like over the top played for laugh scene with this very just like overblown like idea per- being portrayed of what the guy's trying to try to like oh my god this guy gets all the girls mad at him uh, that gets all the girls crazy for him uh and like and he's so cool for just playing it off and like ditching them after what so like but then like her actual advice is just like yeah. oh yeah be nice be sensitive yeah, like yeah. talk to her when she's she, a human being you, you know? know when viola slash sebastian is talking to duke in uh their bedroom uh their shared be- their shared bedroom it's like don't talk like um it, it it's essentially just like you get to see, you also not only do you get her actual advice um later on but you also in that scene where they share the bedroom and they're talking you get like uh the scene where duke really reveals himself to be who he really reveals himself to be and i guess where viola really you know kind of falls for for duke which is where uh duke reveals that you know he despite being with the guys at the time at the bar at the scene of the bar and you know reacting the way he did just all surprised and like oh my god you're so cool deep down he's like no but you can't treat women like that as like just disposable and and it's just like oh okay like this you get this you get the best of both worlds you get this insanely over the top scene make like set to sort of make fun of the the ridiculous standards of what a cool masculine guy is like in a relationship but then you also get this like deep down very uh, meaningful advice to how really deal with this like you know as you're growing up and realizing more about relationships so like ah oh, this movie just gives me so much yeah and i also think like it's very interesting with duke and his two friends is that like is they have this like very typical masculine reaction first to, like sebastian's conquest or whatever but then all of them are in more elaborate ways or others but like then portrayed that like this weird standard and this like weird objectification of women in the romantic sense really makes them unhappy. Yeah. Because yeah. um uh one of the friends he's really into the weird girl girl girl, girl. girl. <laughs> he's really into the weird girl but like he feels like 
he can really talk, uh, like ask her out because she's not traditionally attractive and like other guys would mock him for being you know into her and then you have the other friend who like very very briefly because again very straight movie but like it's suggested that he's actually gay and i think that's like also like like in a very nuanced way portrays like this like idea of this masculine objectification of women and women bodies in in romantic sense and romantic pursuits really makes both parties miserable because it doesn't allow men to engage in meaningful romantic connection if they're straight or even gay because yeah. they just internalize homophobia and they're like that they should be like ah look at that ass you know yeah. what i mean yeah like you spend this entire first half of the movie with the guys being like very over like um, like performing this like ritual of like that girl is the hottest. No, the other girl is the hottest. Oh, like, oh, she just got broken up with. That's down to pounds. It's like, you, you guys are like, okay, they're just dumb guys. But as the movie progresses, you get this feeling like, oh, oh, okay, so this is really making them you know miserable and this is all a performance which just makes those scenes all the funnier yeah really. and the cogs blocks and the cog blocks them from ironically from like re-engaging in meaningful connections with yeah. whoever they're attracted to because like they are so focused on this performance of pouncing manhood yeah that like they are make i mean you know let alone the people that they try to interact with that it that, that sort of behavior makes them miserable yeah. but like it also makes them miserable because it doesn't allow them to connect in a meaningful way it, it, it's like when the when uh, duke's friend ends up you know um it, like he like you said he ends up falling for for this girl played by former podcast legend i mean uh, current i mean she, she i feel like she's gonna pop up in a lot of weird movies but uh she played the the one of the mean sis, uh, sisters yes. sorry sisters uh and cinderella story another, another cinderella, cinderella story. story another cinderella story. what a what a filmography what a filmography it's like another cinderella story mentioned in this episode just when we thought we had dead we had we had cinderella dead and buried <laughs> it will always come back it will always come back it's just like i wanted to like i feel like it should die for a little bit so we can have like another renaissance where it can be good again because I, I can't like all of the, the latest cinderella movies whether they were like you know musicals or modern reiteration they were just shit it's Absolute been, it's been shit. like this for over like five years. At least, yeah. At least. I think I think the last good Cinderella movie that we got was the Lucy Hay one. Because the Disney one, I mean, the Disney one isn't bad, but it's just like, it's quite boring. Yeah, it, I've never seen it, but it seems very boring. It's very boring. And it's just... Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I'll say. It's very boring. And, um, but like, you know, yeah, Duke's friend ends up being into this girl. You know, doesn't really fit the standards of what like an attractive girl in high school is to most guys, and like, like you know, he's almost like you know, he ends up being embarrassed um, that his if his friends find out that he's into her, which is just a thing that's like makes make you so miserable. Like, no, I want to express my emotions for this girl, but like, you're gonna be seen as you know a weird dude for what having a crush on a girl. Like, come on. Yeah, no, like, um, so the thing that I've been writing since high school, as you know, <laughs> it was kind of like, it came from this um, initial idea and initial observation that I had in high school. So, like, you had this, like, huge group of cool kids that, like, were all from upper middle class. They all went to, like, private school, uh, this, like, specific private school. 
schools in uh, in Poznan before they came to my high school and they just all stuck together they knew each other forever and I'm just like and they only like dated within that circle mm-hmm. and I was always I looked at them and was like so do you re-date who you want or do you date who you think you're supposed to date you know what I mean yeah and yeah. I think that's the case in this movie that like they're so like not necessarily due to like high school politics or whatever but like this idea of manhood and masculinity that like in order to perform masculinity right you have to be no but like there's i feel like a lot of young men struggle with this idea that in order to perform masculinity right they have to be attracted to like specific things and it's both when it comes to interest and both when it comes to sexuality and romantic attraction and and then it really ends up like you, with you have this whole group of people that are in this in these committed relationships, or they go on to study like you know degrees that they're not really interested in, but they just feel that that's something that they should do, or like they date this person, it's a very nice person, they are attractive to them, but like they don't really date who they really want to be around, they just date someone who they feel they should date. Yeah, and it's it, but the thing I heard the most about I uh, by that I assume is just like it's so dehumanizing for the other person because the other person in that and that's when you became just this role that that's when you just became the girlfriend or the boyfriend. It's yeah. like when you don't really date the person that you want to date, but you date the person that you feel like you're supposed to date. That's like with protocol within your league. Yeah, and it, it's, it ends up being dehumanizing because like I am I I'm either a trophy or someone to settle to, and that's just very unhealthy for both parties at the end yeah exactly and then like then like a lot of people i think because it's such i mean i don't know about your high school experience but like it was very prevalent in my high school and then you really like internalize this like in mindset that like oh i'm not the kind of girl to get like this kind of guy or something like that like it's a lot of people me included (laughs) internalize that to like a degree because like it, it was just so prevalent but like when you actually sit down and analyze these dynamics and situations is it really like is it really that like you're in a different class of human beings quote-unquote or is it just like this you know this this insecurity about performing femininity and masculinity or performing teenagehood in a way that's you know yeah desirable yeah it's just you know it just leads to in conclusion date whoever you want date whoever you want even if that's your plushie date your plushie and also Dean sucks. <laughs> <laughs> ah, anyway, you should talk about motocross because that's also a very good movie. Oh, and that's also like, because again, it's uh, also based on Twelfth Night, albeit a little bit less than She's the Man. She's the Man has more references to the actual play yeah. and the characters it of the actual have, play. It does have more, you know, hijinks throughout yeah, the yeah, entire yeah, movie. Yeah, and it's yeah. not as like, you know, this is the plot and we're going to stick to it. Like, yeah. She's the Man has a lot of detours. Meanwhile, motocross is a lot of fun, but it's, it's not as like, nuanced in 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 doesn't have these little detours it's also yeah. shorter it's shorter it was it was also a tv movie it's yeah, a disney yeah. it's a disney channel classic. lower budget much lower, lower budget. much lower budget but it's still like the themes that we we're talking about and she's a man are also present in motocross this like idea of how you should perform femininity how you should perform masculinity and how that uh, infringes upon um male and female dynamics but i think what's more interesting about motocross is that motocross also um explores how this pressure of 
golden golden star performance of fem- femininity and golden star performance of masculinity infringes on familial relationship oh yeah i i love the family angle to 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 this movie and like by the way let's right off the bat like galaxy brain amazing uh double feature idea for this one because like they're both- once again <laughs> i am on the streak though yeah with you, the- are, you are because last because last episode was about virgin suicides and mustang and the play and that was just like a perfect marriage and this one is just like yes they're both ad- adapted from the same thing but like seeing them back to back is just like yes all of this makes sense um but yeah, I really like the familial angle, uh, the familial drama to to all this. You know, again, it's a brother and a uh, brother and a sister. Uh, not 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 football this time. It's uh, motocross, and you can tell like in She's the Man. There's a very stark difference between Viola and Sebastian, and who you know they're they're very different from each other. I mean, other Amanda is like Amanda has like a very feminine feature. She has a very round face, and like. They do look alike. They yeah. do like twins, but like you can tell that Amanda has a, like very biologically female features, whereas yeah. like Sebastian has like a very tight jaw, mm-hmm. like um, less like delicate features. So like she doesn't really look like a man. You know yeah. what I mean? She looks more like androgynous when she's cosplaying as her brother. Yeah. Whereas in motocross, Andy, the moment she cuts yes. her hair. She looks like a dude. Yeah, but like, it, it's not just physical. It's like you know, in this movie, you're supposed to explore this type of plot in a in a in a context in which both the brothers, both the siblings, are into the same thing and have ex- the exact same goals, um, you know, of being big motocross stars. And you know, Andrea, you have Andy, you have um, Andrew. You have Andrew and you have Andrea. Andrea. Very creative naming there. Uh, and like, but I feel like that's something white Americans would do. Absolutely. Uh, they are just the corniest people. But like, uh, you know, they both have the same goals, the same aspirations. It's just that, and I think this one is more explicitly about, that one was more about how you perform masculinity. She's the Man was more about how you perform masculinity and femininity. This one is more about, you know, it's more more overtly about female male female inequality and how you know even if you have the same goals and aspirations you're going to be treated different and even within your own family because in this movie uh, Andrew and Andrea are both big fans of motocross they ride they ride the motocross bikes <laughs> and they do the damn thing and they're both like you know equally as good or almost equally as good uh, it's just that the fu- and, and, and the only reason why Andrew, the brother, is better is because they he has all the support from his family. Again, coaching. It Again, comes down to coaching. It's all about coaching. Um, and like the dad, like and the mom, just support Andrew monetarily with trainings and everything, much more than Andrea because Andrea is a girl. And like, so you. And also, like the movie starts out with her winning. Um, she's on the cheerleading team and she wins i think if not national competition she wins like a regional competition mm-hmm. in cheerleading yeah. so like she wins for first place with her team that's a huge achievement that's a huge athletic achievement and she comes home and her dad completely dismisses it so like even if she like quote-unquote successes in the traditional female field yes. that's still not worthy of praise or like acknowledge acknowledgement of a like athletic um 
prowess or yeah. excellence. So yeah, like be it in the same field or in different fields. If one is more um, uh, feminine, it's just going to be bogged down. And that's the, the entire thesis of this movie. But it's not about how like athleticism. It's literally just like Andrea is just seen yeah. as... You know, she doesn't need to have the praise. She doesn't need like, to get the attention. Yeah, and she's not weaker in every way. It's just how she's treated. And that that in the movie is very well framed, especially for a children's movie. Yeah, I uh, mean, Disney, like late late 90s, early 20s, Disney. Before the, the, the musicals, though, the first musicals are also very good. Like, they made some very good movies about, like, m- and, more serious topics. But, but, the thing, the Disney thing I love, the, the more specifically Disney thing I love about this movie is just the TV aesthetic it has. Because, like, She's the Man looks like a real movie. Whereas Motocross is, it looks like a late 90s TV show in the best possible way. The cats are also very wonky. Yeah, and, and like, you know, it's more, way more low budget. Like, you have these montages which would clearly be on TV or a part of like commercials. Yeah, you can tell when the when the commercials were supposed to also, take place. You can also tell when the, oh, this is a commercial break. Yeah, yeah, and, like yeah. these moments in the movie that were clearly okay. We're gonna edit this. You're supposed to be a break here, and like so that was very endearing in its own way. But like, um, what this movie does really well, you know, it, it, in it is that sort of framing in like a children's TV context and the framing of and like how you transmit this idea to young people watching this on tv and like you know uh the plot is essentially you know obviously it's, it comes from the same play it's pretty much the same as she's the man only with you know a little less details but like in this one uh andrew ends up getting injured so he can't um compete in this competition motocross competition and-, and andrea blames herself because he gets injured during um, like a race between the two of them at their farm that they weren't supposed to do because you know their parents were away so like she yeah. she feels like she has let the whole family down and because like the whole family essentially relies on the business of motocross Andrina being able to compete just puts the whole family's finances in jeopardy so like she feels really guilty about that and that's why she decides to um, cross-dress as her brother and compete as him in order to essentially keep her family afloat but at the same time she like because her mother when she finds out she's like at first like very apprehensive and then she asks her is it just about the family or is it something that you really want to do yeah yeah and i think that's just like so brilliant in the sense that like she's such a dutiful daughter that like she like even if it, that's something that like she really wants to do, like she wouldn't try to do it unless like she could do it. In the sense, if, if it wouldn't benefit the family, if it wouldn't benefit the family, essentially, which I think is also like a, a thing, uh, a thing girls internalize on certain levels. Um, I mean, obviously not all of them. <laughs> There are girl assholes, don't get me wrong. A lot of them. <laughs> but like gas holes. Yeah. <laughs> but like there's isn't this But like there is this like this you have to sacrifice yourself for the yeah. good of the family. Or you have to sacri- sacrifice yourself for the good of your community, the, your society, whatever. The husband, the boyfriend, you know. 
coming back to Rory and Dean. I mean, yeah. she had to essentially sacrifice herself. She internalized that she had to sacrifice herself by cooking yeah. insane amounts of food. And even like later on, like she says that like on Donna Reed show, like yeah. the actress like that, that like you know it opened her eyes, and you know that was a positive experience for her. But like throughout the show, you know Rory does the extra goes the extra mile to try to like understand Dean's point and understand where he's coming from and like try to appreciate the things that he appreciates but he never does the same thing I mean outside of the courtship he never you know like really goes the extra mile for her and I think that's also like one of the things that are expected in traditional male and female relationships whether they're platonic familiar or romantic is that like the girl is expect like if there's like for example a conflict of interest the girl is expected to you know subside or like sacrifice for the sake of compromise yeah and um like in this movie you know uh there's this you know there's conflict being portrayed they're like okay i'm doing this for the good of the family but like secretly like, i'm doing this for myself too yeah. i'm like and i'm like yes this is my chance and and you know she um ends up like getting like a, a boy's haircut um like no, i mean it is a pixie but it's like it's um yeah it, it's cut in a way to kind of accentuate male bone structure i think like exactly. you would cut a female yes, pixie exactly. a bit different yeah exactly whereas like if you would cut like this type of short hair in a girl it wouldn't she look looks exactly very butch like is what we we're trying to say yeah, she looks exactly yeah she looks very she looks very butch and she's like you know oh she's gonna cosplay um her brother andrew so you know the family can benefit from it but she can also like hey this is my shot and then she goes on the races and um like the mother initially is very apprehensive but she ends up supporting her because deep down she understands her way more than the father does and which is another nice little detail in the exploration of the themes it's trying to do but like uh yeah she goes on the race but like she you know falls flat and she doesn't perform as well as she you know initially hoped for or you know the standards that andrew you know set for said previously for himself because again not because it's her own personal fault it's because the lack of support she previously had yeah, yeah. i remember in high school i don't remember if it was like shown to me in one of the classes or if i watched it at home i just remember it was in high school <laughs> But I watched this, um, like, talk about why there is not a lot of women in, like, top management positions or, like, in CEO positions. And it's essentially about, like, the fact that women are not not assertiveness, but, like, aggressive assertiveness. And, like, that essentially in order for women to bridge the the wealth gap in the West, it's not really about changing the policy or changing, um, you know, anything about the culture. It's about, like the globalization of women essentially but like and it is also exploring most crosses that like that andy at the beginning is not aggressive enough writer you know that she just um yeah yeah and i think also like that's also the problem when you have the capitalist feminist that like succeeds with like male dominated fields is that like usually their success pushes more people down than it empowers them because essentially a capitalist uh, feminist so a girl boss for sure a girl boss a girl boss uh, essentially makes it 
like solidifies the structure of aggression as a form of power yeah. and aggression as a something admirable yeah. and like power as something admirable and individualistic and as a s- sense of strength individual yeah. strength as yeah. opposed to more uh, organic sense of community and like your strength coming from like the ability to emphasize and, and learn you know it's 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 a type i guess a type of feminism that's supposed to to um like in turn um accentuate the same male dominated forces of asserting power than than actually lifting women up it's about you know very individualistic and it's supposed to lift one woman up by you know acting in the same assertive way that men were taught to to act so as to succeed yeah and it's i mean not really lifting yeah yeah it's even today like when girls are tomboyish they're yeah. encouraged to be tomboyish because like oh she's not into boys or oh like oh she's, she's not like other girls so she's gonna be better yeah, yeah exactly yeah. like oh she she focuses on school she's not into boys she's not into girly things she's not into like silly girly things because when you say girly things the implication yeah. is that that it's silly yeah. uh whereas you know obviously um people assigned male agent uh, at birth are not encouraged at all to engage in feminine tasks and traditionally feminine feminine interests in general obviously yeah. each household is different um but what i want to say which is why i think it's like so brilliant when they introduce like the proper villain of the film aka the frenchman um that he is a very 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 aggressive writer like he's kind of embodiment of this like idea of like, aggressive male competitiveness male and you know as in traditionally talk ma- masculine not that like all males are aggressive and competitive um and i think it's all like so great that like the show like goes in the extra might so that like what really makes her a great writer is that, like when she takes the extra ti- time to develop her craft and not to become more aggressive and like at the the very end of the film she's able to defeat this like very aggressive writer by just her skill being superior and like she doesn't have to like you know sacrifice her style of writing and her style of competing in order to win the the race and it's it's not just a question of you know how much support you get uh, and how much coaching you get it's it's really just about um being educated in a way that you harness your own individual like in your own personal way of you know doing things and um harnessing that talent individual talent to you know really set yourself apart and not really just conforming in andrea's case conforming to a boyish style of in this case writing yeah let's talk about the male interest Oh, he's very cute. He's he's, he's again cute. a very good himbo. <laughs> a very, he, I feel like he's a very classic himbo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, like, oh my god, he's so so. Um, essentially, uh, he's first into this girl, then they start dating, and then things ensue, and he that's the first time he meets Andy as uh, as Andrea in her female presenting form, as opposed to pretending to be her brother. And that boy is like immediately just like in love. Yeah, it's so cute. He looks at her once and he's just like, oh shit. And then like she comes over very casual and being talks to them about the bike. And she's like, you're into bikes as well? It was was so cute because you can immediately tell, you know, it's not the, this is the girl I'm supposed to be into thing. She, Andrea to him is like, oh, we are, I'm into you because not only are you cute, 
you also are into the exact same things and that's so awesome we can we are perfectly compatible and then like you know as it progresses you know uh like in in the movie he's essentially you know Con- like he has this brief fling with the other girl, and she's like, and "She's a queen." No, I, I no, I loved her, but like, she was a queen. but like, she's a very traditional, like, mean girly girl. Yeah, yeah. she is supposed. She is like, I you know, for him, I would assume is him sort of conforming to who he is supposed to be into. Exactly. Just like in, you know, she's the, we were talking about she's the man. And I mean, I, at one point, because Andrea is helping him to like hook up uh, with her. And Andre is like, but like, what what do you like about her? What, yeah. Like, why are you into her? And he is incapable of giving her an answer. He's just, oh, you know, he's just, I'm just into her. And I think that's yeah. a sign of, I mean, n- not to say that you have to know how to rationalize your feelings because feelings are not, you know, re- rational for a reason. <laughs> not that sentence, but, uh, but it, it just, I think it goes to show just, how shallow that attraction is to him because it's just like oh you know i she's the kind of girl that like i was educated to be into so i'm into her uh and like i can't really give you a reason because it's just like it's very subconscious at that point it's like so internalized and with andrea he's just oh so he looks at her so softly and it's just so cute to watch i know it's so cute and like Okay, you were mentioning, I mean, we've already established that, like, we both love motocross and the themes it explores, you know, despite being a very, you know, cheap TV movie, it's it's very... Um... Which just goes to show that you don't have to have the budget to make yeah, a yeah, good film. Uh, yeah, and it's like, it's very endearing overall, so it's a, it's a very endearing experience, it's very good in its own way, but like... Um... One thing I didn't like in it as much as she's the man because she's the man has the higher budget, has more screen time as well, more, more screen time for each individual character because the movie is longer. Like, and you were mentioning that she's all that isn't it? She's all that, not she's all that, no, she's a lot, not she's all that again. Uh, that's a bad movie. We're we, sh- I feel like, as a, as a human collective, the 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 solution to all of our problems individual or communal is destroying any any memorabilia any signs that she's all that has ever existed except we, he's we should all, except he's all that except he's all that but that can stay just like oh it didn't have any influences at all it's a completely original movie i feel like i feel like the way of achieving world peace is by completely erasing she's all that from human history it's very bad but like she's the man you were saying something i slightly disagree you said because you said she's the man is aggressively straight and speaking mm-hmm. of the um, and not aggressively straight but straight straight okay it's yeah yeah, yeah. It, it is a straight movie but like um you were mentioning you know like we we're mentioning the other girl liam payne is aggressively straight there yes, is a difference yes you are correct the french guy is aggressively straight in motocross yes um, Which is funny because he's French. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we love mocking the French. Okay. Wee wee, fuck it. But like you mentioned, in, you know, I propose the. I propose. Is that, is that an expression? I propose the. No. Marriage. No, I'm not I propose thesis. In uh, speaking of the other girl, in. I'm proposing to. Yes, yes exactly. exactly. Uh, speaking, uh, speaking of, of the other girl, and I'm me giving you the phrase, and you don't, then not using it. <laughs> Purporting to Olivia. 
because I was gonna mention, I was gonna speak it wrong. I was gonna pronounce it wrong. No, it's purporting. Purported. Purported. Purporting to Olivia. Purporting, anyway, purporting to Essie Olivia. <laughs> purporting to Olivia. Olivia. To Olivia, and you know, su- supposedly her, you know, parallel character in motocross, the other girl. I think. Uh, not only is Olivia much more well developed and not as much of a mean girl archetype, like I think, and I thought this was very funny, is that um, uh, like Olivia ends up being having this subplot that where she has a crush on Viola as 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 Sebastian, and I I just thought that was just so funny because at at the end you know. Olivia was just looking for a guy with girlish traits. And I'm just like, mm, are you just into girls? <laughs> <laughs> no, but like the movie tells you that Olivia wasn't really into Viola. He was into Sebastian Lyric. Which, which I don't really buy into it. I mean, I don't really buy into that. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I do think that Olivia is probably like looking for someone sensitive, mm-hmm. which doesn't necessarily mean that like... It's a girl. It's a yeah. girl. I think she just wanted someone that... I like Olivia to me, and from where it's like um, suggested in the film, has never had to like worry about like um, getting the guy herself because like she's so attractive, she's beautiful. The guys just like come to her, and that's the norm. So she didn't we really had to play an active part in courtship. She like to me, I mean that might be a hack on it, but like she probably was always passive. And she probably ended up with like the loudest dog in like the herd of people that were like around her, and she would just go with like the loudest, most obnoxious guy, because that that's the voice that would get through for like all the attention that she was getting, and like I think that's like why she develops scratch on Viola and like later on gets with Sebastian is that like she realizes that she doesn't want this like macho guy that's like into her and pursues her. It's like very like you know manly. Like that, she just wants someone that, like you said, is like a bit more feminine in that sense. That like he's a bit more sensitive. He can feel more like a friend to yeah. her than just like the boyfriend, which is essentially I think like what of all of the characters in that movie want is that yeah. they they don't want just a boyfriend. They want a partner, and a partner is also a friend. Yeah, yeah. And I think she's into Viola because like he's like in her mind he's a guy but like she can talk to him like a, to a girlfriend yeah, yeah she can really talk to him and feel like a full person where i feel like probably in her previous relationship she just felt like a trophy again yeah. and like the movie doesn't like handle this well because it just like it really tries not to be gay or any like any way queer okay. jason you're right but you can't help but to think yeah like, yeah it's it's a, a bit weird and you're kind of like <laughs> Maybe, maybe you're just into Viola as well, you know? Yeah, you know, like, in my head, like, she ends up dating Sebastian, and like, "Hmm, but this is not the Sebastian I knew, because, you know, he's literally not the Sebastian. I mean, she might still be like Sebastian, we don't know, we we see them interact that much, so there's no knowing of, like, how they would work as a couple, we also know very little about Sebastian as a character, and like, but also, like... I don't know, maybe Olivia's by and like there is a sequel to She's the Man where she she's into both, yeah. I don't know. Because in my head, like, because the person she literally fell in love with, like, as she was there, was Viola. I'm just thinking like... I mean, did she fall in love with Viola or did she was just attracted, to... like, infatuated with Viola because like she was getting this 
unprecedented um unprecedented she was just like having this unprecedented relationship where she could relate on an emotional level yeah with a guy yeah like, yeah you know yeah. what i mean because like like that's the thing begin it could be my head kind of and you can have your own cat kind of yeah, this is all a head. I, I'm not. I'm not. You know, talking seriously. This is just a head cannon. <laughs> but like to me, it's essentially just like she's not really all that into Sebastian. She's into the idea of Sebastian mm-hmm. as a guy that like she can be a full person with, as opposed yeah. to like her previous relationships. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I think it would be interesting to actually see their like the relationship between her and actual Sebastian play out because like. She really has an idea of him and he has an idea of her, but they don't really know each other as people, as opposed to the main couple that yeah. like really gets to know each other as individuals. Yeah. Um so I think that would be like interesting to explain. Yeah. In a sense in essentially, she's the man we needed to be longer because it's very She's good. the man <laughs> she, no, she's the man should have been a show. Yeah, you're actually right. I see it fitting very well into this episodic and you sort of get this like epilogue episode where you really get to see this little scene between Olivia and Sebastian that really getting to know each other and see we do actually get to see if it works or not yeah no they could do like like a scam thing where like each season will kind of like focus on a different relationship and their dynamics so like season one would be um the Duke and Viola story and then season two would be like really experience the Sebastian and Olivia relationship as if we get to know each other as opposed to like this idea they both had from like brief encounters and like Mm. these romanticized notions and um Netflix, she's the man. Remake a series, please. But like somehow get the original cast. <laughs> They're gonna make it with Addison Ray. No. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, Addison Ray can Addison Ray can have any shitty film from the nineties and twenty two uh, thousands. 20s as well but like the 20s the gr- too let's go battleship potemkin she can <laughs> she can remake any shit from the past she wishes but the good movies please no <laughs> um but like I, I was just men- mentioning olivia because like i the one thing i would wish more about motocross is that you had the same I, I just wish the girl in motocross, I don't really remember her name. I just wish that girl had more of a character to this, this, uh, other than being, I'm a mean girl. I like girly things. Yeah, no, I, I watched this video essay about um, post-feminism in the 2000s and why these movies are so sexist. So, for example, when you think about Legally Blonde, yeah. amazing movie. But there is like an overtly feminist character in that movie that is played for laughs. Like, mm. ha, 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 look yeah. at this, like feminist who's yeah. talking about made up issues whereas like we are living in this post-feminist reality yeah. where like this very girly girl can be like a lawyer and whatever and i think that's like a um in motocross you have this idea with andy and the other girl that's like andy is a feminist slash post-feminist character so like we can villainize this overtly girly f- right. character you know what yeah, I mean? yeah yeah the yeah. same way like in 2000s the feminist character has been villainized focusing solely on women's issues i feel like in the late 90s we still had like this villainization of virtually girl girlish character and behavior because like we passed that now like you shouldn't be like overtly you know what i mean yeah and in a way i get why it's like that because you know it's supposed to me it's supposed to symbolize a girl that you know the guy the love interest should be into as opposed to andrea uh but also like 
Um, I just and she also to... doesn't like. I'm sorry to cut in, but like outside of her mother, she doesn't really have any meaningful female relationship portrays in the show. Like, mm-hmm. she's the man obviously has like two of Viola's friend, and like You're right. Viola also clashes with with her mother. But like, you can tell that it is a an involved relationship that they're in each other's life, and the other day, like even if it's like played for laughs, it is a loving relationship, and in. And motocross, even though like the movie starts with the cheerleading competition, we never see any of Andy's friends and like her interacting with her friends. Yeah. It's really more like there's the relationship with her mother, and then there's the relationship with all the men, and it kind of then through that framing makes Andy a bit of a pick me girl. Yeah, a little like this movie is very progressive, especially for like a children's audience. But like it has little tiny things that like. Like, yeah, do you really have to kind of villainize this poor girl who just likes boy bands and likes very girly things? Like, do you really have to do and frame Andy as, like, she is the cool girl because she's she's acting tomboyish? Yeah, like, she can be into the same thing as the girly girl, but, like, because Andy acts tomboyish, she's allowed to, like, and sing and, like, freak out about that. But the girly girl that is not into sports and, like is mean um is automatically villainized yeah you know what i mean yeah not and not in the same way that like the the evil french motocross writer is yeah yeah, yeah. she's not really villainized she's, she's just like, another girl that's, that's not, not interesting yeah. you know yeah yeah, yeah. She's like not, she's, she's not cool she's not a villain but she's uninteresting yeah. yeah she's just there to essentially create an obstacle and i think it, that kind of plays into this like idea of women even when they like love each other if they are like both since it happens a lot, is that they still see each other's competition. Yeah. And, I, and it's like, and that movie really flames out, like, oh, that other girl, she's just like, you know, she's yeah. there to compete. She's not there to have any other meaningful relationship. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And like, um... Which is why, again, uh, I like so much that Olivia and She's the Man has this, like, meaningful relationship with Viola, whether it's romantic or platonic. Yeah, like, yeah. She exists outside it's, of this competition. Yeah, exactly. That's what I kind of was missing from Motocross, was that, like, I, I, I kind of wish that the other girl, whose name I don't remember, ended up having not a... She could have, like, come to the table when they were doing manicure and just, like, for example, talk to Andy's mom yeah. and, like, have a positive relationship. Yeah. Or, like, any I'm screen not, presence outside yeah. of this romantic context. I'm not even saying that, like, the movie should have, um, you know had the same sort of progression as she's the man with you know uh the girl ending up being with andy because you know uh like just like olivia ended up with sebastian uh but like all i'm just saying like i i missed that part with where you know just like uh, olivia and viola were you know bonding i just missed that part where the other girl and andrea were ended up bonding and like forming a little bit of a it of doesn't a even have to be andrea like literally any other character because like yeah yeah like I said, I think like the perfect scene would be like if she came over to like ask Andrea's mom to do her manicure, and that's like how and Andy first meets her, and that's why like she's like a cue in to like try to ship him yeah. with the guy, and then you would have like this one scene where she's just like she's not a love interest, she's not an object of lusting or an object yeah. of envy, she's just the character. Yeah, and like it, it would add wouldn't it even add even more angst. When, exactly. when when uh the other when the kid is it ends up you know going on a date 
with her instead of Andrea, wouldn't it be even more angsty if Andrea was but like, again, oh my god, she's going, he's going on a date with my friend who, like, you know, he doesn't want to be with me, because not only because I'm pretending to be a boy, mm -hmm. because she's the girly girl and she's my friend, and that ends up being, like, a source of angst. But, yeah. of course, but then again, the Disney, historically, produces terrible love triangles. It's true. It's it's not their forte, not it even close. Can you imagine having this like amazing progressive movie with very good messages, but you will also have a meaningful love triangle? Can you imagine the power that this movie would have? In another lifetime, I am sensing it is time for another twelve nights. Uh, twelve nights. Know, right? What do you think? Like, because we already did football, we did motocross. What's like? Um, a typically traditionally male sphere left to conquer for for another 12 nights <laughs> remake interesting oh interesting oh uh, like knowing like the netflixes of the world like hockey could be a thing oh ho hockey would be really cool but like knowing netflix they would probably do this and like you know i love that we already decided that the netflix is responsible for the remakes i mean they're just they're, they're the only ones banking on like no you also have genre. hulu you also have hulu okay yeah and you true. also have amazon yeah, yeah, you, you know, like Amazon's like Amazon, like sorry to cut in again, but Amazon is kind of Netflix from a few years ago. Amazing shows, trash movies, 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 movies. Desperate attempts to make it into the awards, the award sphere. Yeah, it's kind of kind of is like that. Um, but like you know, you, I I just kind of have this weird feeling that you know the Netflixes of the world would just try to make this movie, but so somewhat about just because everything has to be about corporate culture now i i, I just know that it would make this about a, in a male dominated space as like there was this polish soap opera where the guy dressed up uh, the girl the main girl dressed up as a guy because she couldn't get a corporate job as a woman so she dressed up as a guy and she was oh, a guy in the sad. office because she she couldn't break the glass ceiling can you imagine like i never watched um, it but now girl. i'm kind of tempted can you imagine, like, not you know. sorry to cut in again, but like it was like from 2007 or 2006, not the Polish, Polish tra trend setting of girl bossification. Damn, that was, that really was very girl bossification. Yeah, yeah, y'all really are in the front, uh, the the forefront of um, right wing leaning. <laughs> yeah, um... I mean, we're kind of following Hungary right now, at least politically. Like, yeah, when something sense. happens in Hungary, like. Few few months later, we have a similar thing. So yeah, like, yeah. we're not even transcending in our own regime. <laughs> That's very sad. But like, uh, can you? I can totally imagine Netflix making something out of this, or like even a remake of that show, and being and it being like, oh, this guy wants to get a job at this like computer company, and he's hand, handing the CV. And like all, the, like he's in the job application process. No, but something happens, and then the like the girl like wants to take over, so she impersonates impersonates him and goes on the job. <gasps> and there was like an job. 80 Sorry, there was also an eighties movie that did that. Oh, which one? Uh, one of the guys is the title. Where oh. um, a female journalist, essentially high school journalist, essentially feels that she's not being taken serious as a journalist because she's hard, and so she. Dress up, dresses up as a boy because she thinks that her writing will be taking serious then but the movie is very poopy um, oh okay um, Th that's a very they see they should remake my the best remakes are are of movies from the past that had that were hits and had potential but ended up being poopy so you make them better 
this is one of the guys remake when yeah just one of the guys yeah it's just, the title yeah 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 oh i should watch this even you can watch creepy. it i tried to watch it it was just like too poorly written for me to to, to survive it <laughs> it's such a good concept especially for like a 12th night scenario yeah, yeah yeah no um yeah so just one of the guys see we've cracked the code but i also feel like hockey would be good because it's also easy because like mm -hmm. uh you know with all the padding and everything it would be I easier to like pass as a guy I just think. like motocross and also you know, yeah yeah and also like hockey um like you know you when you have winter sports there is this idea that like females do ice skating and males do hockey oh that God. has been played into like ice skating movies a lot like this this idea of like <coughs> what girls are supposed to <laughs> and what girls are supposed to do on the ice uh, so I think that would be fun I also really like ice sports so that would be also very fun for me to watch oh and another and lacrosse I, I, yes go on sorry. I'm sorry can you imagine like just like Andrea was into cheerleading and Andy well, not into cheerleading like was doing cheerleading yeah. like you could have this opening montage where these two brother and sister like she's doing ice skating and she's excelling but she's not really enjoying it Meanwhile, I mean the problem the brother... with ice skating is that it's a very revered sport oh yeah okay like That's... her success would be seen as but, a success you know it's not what she's into and you see the brother like excelling at being a hockey player like oh i want to do that because that's always i mean they practice together there was this one again a disney film uh go figure where you have a female ice skater who's accepted into the school but she has she comes from a working class family so like in order to train with this coach this of course a russian coach because there are no other <laughs> coaches in ice skating but russians uh but in order to stay at that school and train with that coach she has to have a scholarship and there's no ice skating ice skating scholarship so she has to do hockey and so like it's about like her switching from ice skating into hockey it's a female hockey team though and mm -hmm. like also like the, the difference between it being a team sport and ice skating being a very individual sport if you don't do pairs and also a very good movie and it had the husband from Reliant there as the love interest damn that's another one for the watch list <laughs> maybe like cross-dressing part two we could... i mean she doesn't cross-dress ah you're right yeah yeah she just does hockey we and could do, do like team sports movies. yeah and also the first um Oh, what's the name of the movie? There's a series of ice movies, of ice, of ice skating movies, uh, where the very first one was essentially about this female ice skater that lost her partner. No, that she was a, uh, yeah, she lost her partner, and she has to train this hockey uh, skater into being her ice skating partner so she can compete in the Olympics in Paris because the qualification for Paris are later. Um, what was the title? This is like a whole series. It's like Bring It On. Like the first oh movie was like is very it, big. Like and then like on, it was like... Up. Yeah, like, and they, were, they made like four straight to DVDs movies. Nice. Uh, what that. is it? Not Skates of Glory because that's <laughs> completely... Skates of Glory? Like it's, oh, it's, it's the title? The, it's the, sk the, the skating remake of Kubrick's Paths of Glory. <laughs> <laughs> no, what is it? I'll, I'll look it up later. But like, yeah. Blades of Glory. Blades of Glory. <laughs> uh, 
Is it Blaze of Glory though? No. Oh wait, this is a movie with Will Ferrell. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It was something different. Uh, try writing uh, ice skating rom coms. It should pop up. Ice skating rom coms. Audio podcast. Keeping the audio busy. <laughs> ice skating rom coms. Uh, ice princess. No. no, no Cutting no, that's edge. A diff- hmm? Cutting edge. Cutting edge. The cutting that's edge it. going for the gold, and you have a go figure. Yes. 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 Go Ice princess. Ice princess is also very good, and John uh, John Cusack is in it. How do you know so much of Disney original movies? I did have Disney growing up. Oh my god! So Damn. I have uh, consumed that content Damn. a lot as a kid. But also, Cusack. like the thing that I did with Kim Disney Cattrall. content. Mm-hmm. No, the thing that I did as a uh, oh yeah, yeah yeah she's in it she's in it she's in it. Uh, the thing that I did uh, with Disney growing up is that like I watched a lot of Disney and then like I went to school and the kids were also watching Disney and then mm. I found out YouTube and then there is a lot of content that has not yet aired on Polish Disney already in uh-huh. YouTube but only in English so like yeah. a lot of my um, initial English acquisition was through like watching yeah. Disney content on YouTube. That was just like me with The Simpsons. Like the yeah. exact. Oh no, The Simpsons. The Simpsons. Like I just watch as a, we watch as a family oh, since I was like okay. four. So <laughs> inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that that we watch as a family. So that I don't remember like a lot of acquisition from that because that was just like such a family event to watch it together. Uh, yeah. Same with monks. Same with friends. It's just like. I wouldn't like yeah. you know watch it on my own and obsess and Disney Disney Channel and like their content was like really something that only I watch. I mean, my brother watched a lot of cartoons with me, so like he watched Kim Possible with me. He actually believed that Kim Possible was better than Totally Spies because it was more realistic. <laughs> because she had more realistic gadgets and the, like she had like like she had just like set of gadgets that she had like throughout the whole show. Whereas he was really annoyed that like with Totally Spies they would always get the exact gadgets that they would need on this exact mission because my brother just like my dad was like really into military and military history so like he found that very annoying <laughs> but like he still watched like totally spice with me yeah can you imagine just, like this group of bros like in a, <laughs> like like in the cafe or a bar or something yeah. just like rowdily discussing like which is more realistic totally spice or impossible he really yeah, like broke impossible <laughs> is totally better like you see her gadgets like they're so high tech i mean also like shout out to my brother because he's literally the only other person that has watched film war on disney channel that show that i told you about that the cartoon that's like inspired by film noir but it's about like whole passers it's oh, called film war okay. i think and like literally no one else has watched that but me and my brother so we also watch one um uh, um uh, recess recess was very good very good cartoon uh, and then like those are the ones I distinctly yeah. distinctly remember as watching on Disney Tarzan as well the Tarzan cartoon the Cusco cartoon and person you school no Groove is the movie oh, and yeah, then you have the right. school, the, school the Leo and Stitch cartoon is also very good yeah. but then like the majority of what we really watched together was from Cartoon Network yeah um I, I don't know because like from that era it's not a cartoon it's not Disney but like were you a Malcolm in the Middle person not really. Oh, I was a big Malcolm in the Middle yeah. person. I really the, one of those shows from that late nineties era mm-hmm. that I really liked. Yeah, no, no, not not really. Um, but yeah. But yeah. 
Go Figure is actually really fun. We could watch it sometime. And it's also like very compact because it's a Disney movie. I think it's also just an hour and 20 yeah, minutes. Yeah, those movies are very short. Yeah. Right. You have BBC episodes longer than that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and we're going on two hours now. Oops. <laughs> yeah, because uh, since the recording, the re-recording, we're on an hour and five minutes now. Ooh, nice. So we'll be around two hours. Um, I don't remember what we have next week. Let me check. Yeah, what do we have next week? Uh, I'll check later. I don't know. Yeah. I'm checking it now. I am in a very awkward position right now. I ran a grande. But yeah, stay tuned position. for that. Stay tuned whatever for that. Whatever that is. Um, is there anything else? I think everything has been said. Everything has been said. Um, in conclusion. In conclusion, Bailey Madison, please stop acting. <laughs> in conclusion... Death to Cinderella story, long live Shakespeare adaptations in a teen environment. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Period. That's on that, on that. Bye bye. What do you, why are you putting at the very end of the show? What song? Oh, because this one isn't really music, like musical bass. Is I it? mean, I mean, oh. we have the Bailey songs, but like, I would not know. Those are fucking terrible. <laughs> uh, we, could, we could use some of the songs from the She's the Man soundtrack. Oh, yeah, that's cool. They that, have a lot of bubs. Yeah, well, there's one of the fun. I could use Dirty Little Secret. That's, that's one I remember. Yeah, you can use that one. And whatever else. Whatever I, I end up... You know what? This, this is going to be a surprise for me as well. Choose whatever you want. Maybe. Uh, maybe I'll just choose something completely unrelated. Maybe I'll choose a Bjork song. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> uh, or like uh, Evita's... No. Uh, what's the Irish singer that has like this... like? Uh... <sighs> we were listening to MTV Naughties and her song came on. Oh, Enya. Enya, that's how you say it. <laughs> Like, put an Enya song. That would be fun. Like, at the end of this episode, you just hear... Yeah, exactly. We ponder about Channing Tatum's shirtless, and she's the man. Absolutely. Oh, last point. I just love how... Because Motocross, Disney movie, of course, there's no kissing. But I just love, like, their equivalent of, like, the big kissing scene at the end is them just, like, motocrossing together. It's it's like when in like uh, Hollywood during the Hays Code era they would use like sexual innuendo but not really. So this is the equivalent, like two motorcycles flying in the air together instead of kissing. It's just like when Hitchcock used the train going into the tunnel to signify penetration. <laughs> Period. Uh, I can tell you what's on next week, and you can cut it out so like it stay it stay some. You can beep it so like you okay. know. We can just stop. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So en- enjoy whatever song um Pedro has chosen. Bye. Bye.